Amen, amen. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Victory Church. Welcome to all my family that's able to be here this morning. It's so good to see you. We always kind of do this. Let's just hear a little. Go ahead and get your lungs working for a little bit. Let me hear you give a little scream real quick. Here we go. A little energy in the place. Welcome. Also, welcome to all of our family that's watching online. It's so exciting to be with you again today, whether you're watching in the morning or in the evening. Maybe you're watching later on in the week. It's just exciting. Thank you, sir, to be able to gather with you and look at the Bible together. We are in a series that we have been doing now for, gosh, I've lost count, 15, 16 weeks called The Journey. And the way this began is we said, hey, we're going to go to the book of John and we're just going to kind of start at chapter one and start going through it and allow John and, and the gospel of John to define who Jesus is. Because the difference in John's gospel to Matthew, Mark, and Luke is that John said, hey, I'm, I want to write I want to take certain things that happen, and I want to define who Jesus is so that you will believe in Jesus. So what's really cool about the book of John, obviously the entire Bible does this, but John is literally saying, hey, I want you to know the things that will help you believe in Jesus so that you will be saved. And so we've just kind of been going chapter by chapter and letting that define who Jesus is. So today, we're in John chapter 11. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 11. Um, we've already kind of declared that 2021 for our church is going to be the year where we're calling it Back to the Bible. Um, we, we've been talking about how we need to hear the voice of God and we need to recognize the voice of God. And in order to do that, we need to know what Jesus sounds like. And to know what Jesus sounds like, you can only go to the Bible. And so we say, hey, 2021 for us as a church is going to be back to the Bible. And so I've even shared with many people that I feel a calling recently on me and our church to do more of an expository preaching where we'll just kind of take the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and really let it open up for us where we're going. And I just think it's important, especially right now in our culture, to be uh, educated and to have a health, healthy education on the Bible. And so I do want to encourage you, get a Bible, get a Bible. You won't be able to really see it, but I've got all of these notes and, and writings and things in my Bible because I think it's so cool that as you're reading, to just kind of take notes and so on. So uh, I, I believe that even after we finish John, we will find another book of the Bible, um, depending on where God's taken us, and we'll just keep on going through, and it's going to be great and an exciting time of us learning together. So get you a Bible. Also, real quick before we get into the Word, we as a church always do a beginning of the year fast. So this year, January 1 to January 17, we are doing a fast as a church, an annual church fast. And so I want to encourage you to, to uh, participate in that with us. We'll have information all throughout our social media about what a fast is and what it means to fast and what it looks like to fast and what to fast and all these different things. But we just want to encourage you now to be praying about that. Um, if, if you haven't uh, already decided what to do, we want to encourage you to jump along with us and enjoy kind of fasting and giving God the first of the new year. All right, you guys ready for the word? Here we go. John chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to kind of open up a new story, and it's opening up something that if you've been in church in, in any length of time, you've probably heard of, and that is the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And I'm going to have to talk about this for a couple of weeks because there's so much content in these scriptures, um, but I really feel like there's an on-time word in the first part of this, and I want to share it with you. So John chapter 1, we're going to read about 10 verses, and then we'll pick it apart. So it says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So you had Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were all family members. It says, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus is now sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, that's in chapter 12. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks or so. It says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So Lazarus had become sick, and Martha and Mary send a messenger to Jesus to say, hey, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Hallelujah. Right? <laughs> That's what Jesus should say. Uh, praise God, Jesus, that this is not going to end in death. Awesome. And he goes, no, it's not. It's not going to end in death, for it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So we saw a version of this a couple weeks ago with the man who was born blind, where Jesus said, because of this suffering, God's going to get glory. So Jesus says, hey, this sickness is not going to end in death. As a matter of fact, God's going to get glory for it. Awesome. 
Then he goes on to say in verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now the tension is introduced because it made sense when Jesus said the sickness won't end in death because we expect Jesus to be the healer and the provider and the protector. But now Jesus stays two more days instead of rushing to heal Lazarus. And we will find out that Lazarus does in fact die. So spoiler alert. Um, But this is where the confusion comes in. It says, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So he waited two more days, and then he traveled to Judea where uh, Lazarus was. Now watch this. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and now you're going to go back? So Jesus was already, his life was being threatened in Judea, and they're saying, hey, you could speak a healing over Lazarus. You could say Lazarus be healed and he be healed. Why are you going to go all the way back to Judea where you could potentially be killed? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Of course. Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. Jesus, what are you talking about? Right? Like, what are you doing right now? We're talking about Lazarus is sick. Now you're talking about 12 hours and daytime and nighttime and who can walk. I don't know what you're talking about. But this was so strategic that Jesus said this, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But watch this. After he said this, after he went through the 12 hours of daylight and all this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Do me a favor. If you're sitting near somebody, grab him real quick. And I want you to tell them the title of my message, all right? So grab, hold on to them. If you're watching online and somebody's with you, grab them, look at them, look them right in the face. And here's what I want you to tell them. This is your wake-up call. This is your wake-up call. Uh, Probably about five months ago or so, um, I was talking to Erica uh, she's my assistant here at the church, and we were talking, and she's, the whole concept was, should we get customized masks for the church, right? You know, we were going to get, like, the black mask and get the Victory logo put on the side, and then we'd pass it out to everybody in the church, and everybody could be walking around promoting Victory with their mask, and it was so cool. So, so I, we talked about it, and she said, all right, I'll run with this. So she does all the math and figures out how much it's going to cost, and she figures out where we're going to get it from and how long it's going to take to get it, and then she's like, all right, how are we going to get it to everybody? And she's crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's, and, and I just kind of moved on to other projects, and as you know, you get caught up in different things, and so she came back to me. She said, hey, Pastor, do you, do you still want to do the math? for the church. And I stopped for a second. And I said, you know what? I don't think this is going to last very long. And so, no. <laughs> and so I purposely did not order victory masks because I was convinced that this would be over by now, right? Like, I think I would have been safe to order some masks. I think, right? I think we're probably going to be wearing those possibly for 2021 the whole year. And so, so it's like, I could have been safe doing it, but I honestly just thought that this wasn't going to last that long. I'll be honest with you. I remember calling uh, one of my spiritual fathers who pastors a church in Oklahoma, and I called him uh, in April 2020, and I was like, hey, um, I I feel like that it's possible that all the churches are going to open during Easter because the president at the time was talking about that and all that kind of stuff. And and so I was like, hey, it's possible that churches are going to open back up for Easter, and I don't know if the school is going to let us in. And so I was kind of panicking because I didn't didn't know what to do because a lot of people thought that by Easter, everything would be back open again. Because a lot of people didn't think that this was gonna last this long. I actually know people, and and you probably do too, who who just were convinced that once the election was over, that this would kind of, you know, fizzle away. That I think all of us, to an extent, did not expect this to go on this long, right? Have you ever faced something suffering or a hardship, and it lasted longer than you thought it would? You know what I mean? Like, I know for some of us, that is the pandemic. But for some people, the pandemic's not that big of an impact on them, depending on what their situation looks like. But, but I think we could all say that we've had moments, or we currently have a moment, that we would say, you know what, this just kind of seems to be lasting longer than I thought it would. And I actually believe that most people's faith is struggling right now more than ever because we thought 
something would be over by now. So how do you continue to have faith, watch this, while facing a situation that doesn't seem to have an expiration date? How do you do that? How do you have faith when you are face-to-face with something that just doesn't seem to have an expiration date? You know, it's interesting. In the Gospel of John, three different times, Jesus is asked by someone who is in close relationship to him to do something and do it in their timing, and Jesus denies doing it in their timing and then delays and does it in his own. For example, the wedding at Cana. When his mother comes to him and says, Jesus, you got to do something. The wine's gone. We need to fill the wine. Jesus says, it's not my time, woman. Right? So Jesus denies her timing and then sets in place his own. A few chapters later, we talked about this about a month or so ago. Uh, Jesus' brothers come to him and they say, hey, you need to go to the festival of tabernacles. And you need to do miracles so that you can get your popularity back because some of your disciples have left because you've been saying tough things. And Jesus says, hey, any time works for you, but it doesn't work for me like that. So Jesus denies what they're saying. And then he says, I got to do it on my own timing. And then right here in John chapter 11, Martha and Mary send this messenger and they say, hey, Lazarus is sick. And then the Bible says that Jesus waits two more days before he goes and handles the situation. And so through all throughout the gospel, you have people who are in close relationship to Jesus who are saying, I need you to fix this situation. And Jesus says, no. I'm not going to fix this situation and I'm not going to fix it on your timing. I'm going to do it on my timing, not your timing. What do we do when it seems like Jesus isn't doing what he said he would do? Right? Jesus said he'd be my provider. He'd be my protector. He'd be my healer. But I'm asking him to do this, and he isn't doing it. So what do I do when it doesn't seem like Jesus is doing what he said he would do. He told the disciples, this isn't going to end in death. And then it kind of did. So what do you do when Jesus doesn't do what he said he was going to do? I wonder if over the past couple of months, maybe the past couple of years, depending on what your life has been like, I wonder if you've asked this question. Why hasn't Jesus stopped this already? Why hasn't Jesus stopped this already? Have you asked that question recently? Maybe about the pandemic, maybe about a health issue, maybe about, you know, a hurting relationship, maybe about a financial struggle. Why why hasn't Jesus stopped this already? Let's go back to the scriptures. John chapter 11. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, for it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. That's impo- and her sister and Lazarus. That's important. Now, Jesus loved Martha, loved her sister, and loved Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Jesus is met with this messenger. Martha and Mary send this messenger. And they say to him, the one you love is sick, right? There's a reason why they say that. They say that so that they can influence Jesus, right? Because they're not admitting it, but they have an expectation, all right? Listen to me. When it comes to the hardships that you and I are facing, we often have an expectation of Jesus even when we don't admit it. I know people who wouldn't even consider themselves saved. I know people who would say they're not even a believer. I know people who don't even attend church. But when they face a hardship, they tend to have this kind of expectation of Jesus, even though they don't want to admit it. Go with me on this, okay? Mary and Martha send this messenger to Jesus, and the messenger arrives arrives to Jesus, and he says to him, Jesus... The one you love is sick. Now notice, Mary and Martha didn't tell him, hey, you need to come and heal him. There was not any instruction for that. There was no expectation. Martha and Mary did not say, the one that you love is sick, and Jesus, or or the messenger didn't say, and Martha and Mary really want you to come and heal him. That's not what happened. 
He didn't say, hey, the one you love is sick and it's nine o'clock and you really need to get there before like noon because it's looking pretty bad. There was none of that. There was no clear expectation of Jesus. She was just informing him that Lazarus was sick. But here's what we know, that deep inside of her, she did have an expectation of him. She said, hey, the one you love is sick because she thought it's not even necessary for me to say, come heal him. Because once he knows that the one he loves is sick, then he will rush home to help. Isn't that kind of where we arrive sometimes? Like, I don't really have to tell Jesus to fix it. I'm the one he loves. He should just know to fix it. Right? Like, I don't really need to admit it. I don't need to say it. But deep down, there is an expectation. I'll, I'll just be brutally honest. Over the past 11 months, you've had an expectation of Jesus. You've expected some things to just fix themselves. Now, you may not have admitted it, but because you feel like you're the one he loves, there's kind of this underlining expectation that he'll fix it right? Maybe it's better if I say this. <laughs> Over the past 11 months or so, I've had an expectation of Jesus. And, and even though I didn't really admit it, because I feel like I'm the one he loves, I've kind of expected him to fix it. This delay of Jesus would have been mystifying to the disciples. Imagine, Jesus says, hey, the messenger comes in, the disciples hear it. The one you love is sick. And so the disciples are like, oh my goodness, Lazarus is sick. We got to go. Put the bread down, Peter. We got to go, right? Like, this is going to be serious. And Jesus goes, no, we'll wait about another 48 hours. I wondered if the disciples were like, what? Do you think that's how he'll act when we're sick? I need him to have a little bit more passion behind it, right? A little bit more hurry up in his get up. If I'm sick, right? Like, they had to be a little bit more. That'd be mystifying for the disciples. And as much as it was mystifying for the disciples, it was agonizing for his sisters. When Jesus delays, you will always find yourself on one or the other side. You'll either be mystified. Why hasn't this stopped already? Or you'll be experiencing agonizing there's just a moment where you kind of, the delay of Jesus either leads you to be mystified or it leaves you to be agonized. And whether you are mystified or whether you are agonized, there is always a moment where you are tempted, please watch this, to say, Jesus, if you loved us, you would have fixed this by now. Right? Right? Whether you're mystified, why hasn't he stopped this already? Why, this is crazy. Or whether you are agonized, there will always be a temptation for you to step back and go, Jesus, if you loved me, you would have stopped this by now. I've shared this many times with our church. I think probably the most uh, real point blank moment for this for me in my life was when I experienced a sickness through a kidney stone situation. Um, I went through three different scenarios of kidney stones, and on the third one, I, 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 to this day, I can't tell you what happened or what went wrong, but it, it left me about three to four months of just incredible pain and, you know, drugged up, uh, you know, just pointless living. It was just a terrible experience. Um, and, and, and because of all the pain and because of all the different things that I had gone through, the surgeries and all this kind of stuff, most of the time, I didn't sleep at night. And so I would go into the living room and I'd watch Boy Meets World, on, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air over and over and over again. And I would just find these moments where I was kind of sitting there, just me and God. And here's what was happening with my theology. I knew enough about God to know that he could stop it like that, right? And at the same time, I knew God loved me, but for some reason, 
I knew Jesus could heal it. I knew Jesus loved me, but for some reason, he had not stopped it already. And it doesn't really matter how strong you are theologically. At some point, you begin to kind of struggle with that scenario. And there becomes this weird tension that says, I know Jesus loves me, but if he loved me, then why hasn't he stopped this? And the more that Jesus delayed, the more I felt denied, right? You ever been there? You ever been in an experience where you felt like Jesus delayed his arrival and that delay kind of morphed into denial? Here's what I'm learning. Jesus's delays are not denials. It's different. His delays are not denials. However, when he doesn't come when you ask and he doesn't do what you ask, you will have a decision to make. Does he love me? Okay, let me, let me explain this a little bit clearer for you. I'm telling you right now that when Jesus delays, he's not denying. I'm telling you that Jesus often works on his own time frame. I'm telling you all the things that you know because you go to church. I'm telling you all the things you've heard in sermons before. Jesus' delays are not denials. Hallelujah. However, the more that you ask and he doesn't answer, the more that you set time frames and he doesn't come when you ask, there are going to be moments where you have to make a decision and you have to decide, does Jesus love me? Does he? You're going to have that tension in your heart, in your spirit. And listen, difficult times are always a test of our faith. But a test of our faith is not a denial of his love. Difficult times, are they're always a test of your faith. Every time you go through something hard, something difficult, something that resembles suffering, it is a test of your faith. But you being in a te test of your faith is not denial of his love. Okay, you ready? I'm going to give you the, 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 um, the most Holy Spirit-filled illustration you've ever had in your life. And literally, I could stop preaching after this illustration and your life will be changed. You ready? All right, let's set the bar really high. Let's see how this goes. Um, when Casey Ray was born, I think, I think she was about two years old. And we picked up really quickly that Casey Ray was a daredevil, okay? Like, like nothing scared her. If we went to the beach and, and, and they would go down to look for crabs, Casey Ray would be like, ooh, crabs, and would just grab them by her hand. Like she was just crazy. And, and one of the things she was really uh, confident or brave or just insane about was swimming pools. And so there was nothing, I mean, she would just run, I mean, no matter what age she was, didn't matter where the, if she saw a body of water, she was jumping in it, okay? So Darla comes to me one day and she says, babe, look, I'm a little worried because obviously we were, you know, we would go hang out with friends who had swimming pools and different things. She said, I'm a little worried that Casey Ray is going to end up doing something, you know, dangerous because she has such a, a brave spirit when it comes to, you know, water and swimming pools. I said, okay. I said, so what does that mean? What do you want to do? And I don't remember the name of it. So, so forgive me. But she said, there's this situation, this program that we can go to where this woman will teach her as an infant how to swim. Have y'all heard about this? It is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. So Darla took her. I think she had to go for like eight or nine or 10 weeks or something. And Darla took her for like 90% of it. And I never saw anything. I never, I never experienced it. But one week, I had to take her. Uh, Darla was out. Of, something was going on. I had to take her. So I arrived to this woman's house. And we go to her backyard. It's already sketchy. I'm like, you don't even have an office building? Like, this is, this, and we're in your house? Like, I don't know if I trust you. And so we go to her pool, and she gets in the pool, and, and she, I have to give her Casey Ray. And at this point, what was going on is they were teaching her how to do it fully clothed. So she had all of, she had like winter coats on and everything. And, and Casey Ray got into the pool, and she would kind of hold Casey Ray and Casey Ray swimming, and then she would let her go. And ultimately, what was happening is my child was drowning. This is what was happening, like right in front of me. She just started drowning. 
And, and I would be like, ah, what? And women would be like, nope, don't, don't say nothing. And I'd like, I'd start going to it. She's like, nope, don't, you know, let her do it. And she would, she would like, she would like yell at her, you know, in a nice way, but she'd just be like, come on, swim on your back. And then I would watch my little child like swim over and turn on her back. And then she'd be floating and I'm like, somebody get her. You know what I mean? This is, it was the worst experience of my life. We, we found out a couple of months ago that, that Darla would send videos to her parents and her mom said, said, we couldn't even watch it. She said, your dad would be over there going, why does she need to do that? You know, because you're just watching it and it's terrible. It's terrible. Like, it's just, why, somebody get her already, right? She's two. She can't swim on her own. Somebody get her. Like, what's happening? And it was, it, it was, it was the most, why, why, have, why have we not stopped this already? I know now why Darla didn't let me go till like week 11 or 12. Because if I'd have gone week one, I'd have been like, I'm paying for this woman to kill my kid? I don't think, I don't think we should do that. Let's stop because I'm such a protective father that I'd be like, let's stop right now. I, I don't care if she ever learns to swim. Let's stop right now. And I'm going to show you next week that that really is the heart of the father. There's a reason why Jesus wept. Because he wants so bad to snatch you out of that pool the second you touch it. But here was the situation. If I don't let Casey Ray go through this now, then there could be a time in the future where she gets into a dangerous situation and she may not live. And so what we're going through now, the reason, why hasn't he showed up yet? Because there's a purpose behind it. Because he can't take you out of it now. Because if he takes you out of it now, you won't learn what you need to learn. And there is some potential of something worse way ahead. We often connect Jesus' love for us with the circumstances he allows us to experience. If I'm going through blessing, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Right? If it's positive, Jesus loves me. If it's negative, well, if he loved me, he would. Jesus understood that their discomfort now would prepare them better for what was to come. So please hear this. You ready? Oh, I, when, when the Lord gave me this, I literally could not move. So it was because he loved them that he lingered. The reason Jesus lingered is because he loved him. The reason I didn't snatch Casey Ray out of that pool is because I loved her. The reason my wife took her there to begin with is because she loved her. Because we knew potentially what could happen. So we knew that her discomfort now would better prepare her for something that was to come. Can I show you it in scripture? Like, okay, I know that y'all probably don't geek out on scripture like I geek out on scripture, but sometimes I read stuff and I'm like, we, we could just sit down and talk about this verse for hours with grins on our face because Jesus is like, here it is, point blank. You ready? All right, you ready? Here, everybody ready? You ready? This is why you need a Bible. All right, John chapter 11, verse 11, watch this. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. I'm gonna go wake him up. Then his disciples said, I love this. Lord, if he sleeps, He'll get well. Like, if he's sick, let him sleep. You know what I mean? Y'all know how it is. Go sleep that off. Mom gives you Robitussin, you know, all that. Go, go, go sleep it off. If you let him, he sleeps. And then, however, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Now watch this. Here it is. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus, for all your bedside manner, right? Lazarus is dead. Watch this. And I'm glad. Wait, What? Lazarus is dead, and you're glad? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why would you be glad? Here's why Jesus is glad. He says, I'm glad for your sake. I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, because had I been there, I would have healed Lazarus. Therefore, he wouldn't have died. Therefore, you wouldn't have learned what you're about to learn. So the fact that Lazarus is dead is a good thing. And I'm glad he's dead, and I'm glad I wasn't there, because I was not there, you may believe. Because I was not there, you may believe. 
Can you imagine this exchange with the disciples? Jesus, we don't need to go. Lazarus is sleeping. He'll get well. He'll feel better. Jesus says, bro, Lazarus is dead. It's like, whoa. <laughs> wait, wait. Nobody even said that, right? We, we, he, was just, he had the measles just a little bit ago. Now he's dead? Like that was kind of a big exchange. He's dead? Yes. And I'm glad he's dead. And I'm glad I didn't go because something is about to happen because I didn't go. And what's about to happen because I didn't go is actually going to be beneficial for you. In other words, Jesus says, it's better for you that this happened because now you will believe more. I'm going to say something real controversial for a moment. Could it be better that the pandemic happened? Could it be better that things had to be shut down? Could it be better because now we believe more? Now, again, depending on how you've been influenced by the pandemic, you may not like me saying that, and I'm going to address it more next week. But just listen to what I'm saying. When we go through hardships and sufferings, if they lead to us believing in Jesus more, isn't it better that it happened? No. Shouldn't have had to. You're talking about earthly suffering that moves you to think different about your eternal place in life. Think, think, about, think about that, right? But, but, but I experienced suffering here. Yes, but if you believe Jesus more, now you're going to experience heaven for eternity. So it's actually better that that happened if now you believe more. I, I read a quote recently by someone in the name Madeline Elingo, and listen to what this says. It says, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you have to know the darkness before you can appreciate the light. There's... That's so powerful. Maybe you have to know the darkness before you can appreciate the light. Maybe before you can fully appreciate Jesus, you have to experience life where he's delayed, right? Maybe before you can appreciate the light, you have to experience the darkness. Before you can ever experience breath. If you've ever, if you've ever been in a, a water and you've held your breath for a long time, you appreciate the ability to breathe so much more when you come out, right? I don't see many people walking down the street going, God, thank you for that breath. <gasps> oh, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. But when you're in the water and you finally get to come out, it's like, oh, you appreciate it now because you didn't have it. Give you another illustration. Uh, I remember the first time my kids experienced a power outage. It was the first power outage they had ever had of their lifetime. And it was funny because they never walk around my house thanking God for light. I've never heard them go over to the light switch and be like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, right? They've never appreciated light until we had a power outage. And then they were freaking out. Now, all of a sudden, they appreciated candles. Thank you, Mama, for buying candles. They appreciated flashlights. They appreciated so many different things because now they didn't have it. Give you a better one. How many of you appreciate church now more than you did 11 months ago? Right? I've talked to people who are like, oh, I can't wait to get, get back to church. You had not been in church in three years. Because when something is gone, you appreciate it more, right? When there's darkness, you appreciate light. Jesus said, listen what's happening. Jesus says, the reason why I delayed my arrival is because if I stop it now, you will lose your urgency on the behalf of the relief. If I stop it now, then this urgency you have for God will follow out the door with the relief. So sometimes it's better for us to go through something if it makes us believe more. Well, if Jesus loved me, he wouldn't let me. If Jesus loved me, no, you don't understand. 
the reason why Jesus is lingering is because he loves you. Because he understands that with you going through that, the urgency you have for God is rising inside of you. There are people right now in this season who have a hunger for the word of God like never before. There are people watching online every week who've never watched church before. There's an urgency for God. Why? Because of what's happening around us. And let me just ask you a question. Had that happened, had the pandemic and all of that been seven days long, do you think we'd have the same urgency? I don't. So as you're looking back on hardships and sufferings, and as you're looking forward to hardships and sufferings, and you come to that moment where you have to make a decision, does he love me? And I don't know because he hasn't stopped this already. I want to challenge you with the thought that maybe he's allowing it to linger because he loves you. And maybe he wants it to be your wake-up call. Maybe he wants it to be the moment that creates this urgency in you for his word and for his spirit and for his presence. And he's hoping that just maybe you'll believe more because of it. All right. If you're taking notes, you've been taking notes. I've been giving you Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus is. Here, for, for this week, it's Jesus is sending a wake-up call. Jesus is sending a wake-up call. All right, let's go back to the scripture. John chapter 11, verse 17, 22. We haven't read these yet. So when Jesus came, so now Jesus has arrived, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So Lazarus has already been dead and buried. And now Bethany is near Jerusalem, so about two miles away. So people are able to connect the dots. <laughs> Lazarus was sick, dead, and buried, and Jesus was only two miles away. Right? So people are kind of connecting the delay situation. Watch this. This is going to be important. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. And then Martha said to Jesus, watch this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Had you been here? My brother would still be alive. Watch what she says. But even now, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. This kind of sounds like for a moment that Martha has this crazy faith. But the interaction that she's going to have with Jesus in a moment, because Jesus is going to say, hey, your brother will be resurrected. And she goes, I know, I know, he'll be resurrected in the last days because she also believes in the idea of that there will come a time where anybody that follows God is dead will rise. And so she says, yeah, 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 yeah. There will be a time in eternity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she doesn't even recognize the fact that Jesus is talking about right now. <laughs> she doesn't even realize that, that Jesus is actually still doing something on earth on that moment. That it's not about Lazarus being raised when, after he's dead in heaven. That, that he's wanting to do something right now. Martha has already taken her thought process into eternity. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You've missed it. Because I'm doing something right here. And here's the most prophetic thing I felt the Lord tell me about this particular scripture. Jesus would have told Martha, I'm not late because I'm not here for Lazarus. Wait. What? That shakes the whole scripture up. Martha says, Jesus, you're late. The one that you love got sick, died, and we already put him in the tomb. Jesus says, no, ma'am. I'm right on time. And I'm on time because, G, or because Lazarus is not the one that I'm here for. I am here for the ones that I love, but it's not Lazarus. What does that even mean, Troy? What are you talking? I'm not late because I'm not here for, for Lazarus? Okay. Go to the scene with me. It was common in that culture today that when somebody died, they would have kind of, I mean, I guess if we were to make it uh, similar to what we're used to, it'd be like a wake, a celebration type, a mourning time. 
and all of these people would come. And Jesus knows this. Jesus's point of focus was never Lazarus. <laughs> it was never Lazarus. Jesus already knew that Lazarus would be resurrected. Jesus already knew that the grieve would go away. Jesus already knew that many were going to believe. Jesus already knew that he was getting steps closer and closer to the cross, his death, his resurrection, and salvation for all. Jesus was not there for Lazarus. Lazarus is a believer. So he said, I'm going to go wake up Lazarus so that all of those that are there can experience a wake-up call for themselves. I'm not here for Lazarus. I'm here for everybody who doesn't believe in me. Man, this, oh gosh, y'all, you got, you got to go with me here on this. It's, there's, there's, there's levels of depth here that if we're careful, if we're not careful, we'll skip right over it. Martha says, this is a bad situation. And I need you to fix it for me. And when you don't do it the way I thought you were going to do it, in my mind, you're late and you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And Jesus says, baby girl, sit down. This is not about you. And it's not about Lazarus. And it's not about Mary. Because we already have a relationship. What I'm doing through you is preparing a wake-up call for those who don't believe. And the reason why I haven't stopped it already is because there's still an opportunity for more to believe. I don't have it on the screen, so I'm going to read it to you from the Bible real quick. John 11, verse 45, watch this. So, and again, one of the reasons why I'm skipping over this now is we're gonna go into some of these verses next week, but he does heal Lazarus. Um, there is the infamous scripture, Jesus wept, which is what we're gonna talk about next week. So, so many great things happening. And then you get to verse 45, watch this. Therefore, therefore, as a result of what just happened, as a result of Lazarus getting sick, Jesus delaying his response, Lazarus dying, Lazarus being buried, and Lazarus being raised from the dead. As a result, therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, and they believed in him. They are not there if Lazarus doesn't die. Right? Right? Nobody's showing up to mourn a sick person. They came because he died. And because they're there, they believe. When Jesus said, I got to go because I got to go wake him up, he wasn't just waking up Lazarus. He was waking up every unbeliever that had gathered at Lazarus's wake. So I say all that to say this. Is it possible that 2020 was our wake-up call? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that the reason Jesus didn't stop it when we wanted him to stop it is because there were still people who didn't believe? And is it more important than ever to preach the name of Jesus and to preach the resurrection of Jesus and to preach the gospel now while people are listening? A few weeks ago, I preached a message about suffering and I talked about how I think sometimes as Christ followers, we get the wrong picture that this is supposed to be a, a walk in the park for us, but it's not. Eternity is what we strive for. Whatever I have to go through while I'm on earth, it is what it is, but I have an eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. I just wonder if Jesus would have looked at Martha and said, hey, you're looking at the wrong thing. It's not about healing your brother. It's not about your faith. 
It's about getting every unbeliever that you know over to your house so that we can put on the front row the gospel of Jesus Christ and everybody who's there will believe. Is it possible that... Now listen, I'm not saying Jesus caused what happened in 2020. I'm telling you that I believe Jesus is going to use it. And is it possible that everything that's happened has opened up eyes and opened up ears and maybe you're watching, maybe you're in here and watching a church service or attending a church service would have been one of the last things you would have done. And while you are paying attention, it's more important than ever to share with you the truth and the gospel of our resurrected King. What if it's our wake-up call? So here's what I want to ask you to do. If you're in here, would you stand with me for a moment? If you're watching online, I want to encourage you to join in with me. And what I would like us to do is pray a prayer over 2021. Pray a prayer for a move of God like we've never seen before. Pray a prayer that understands that there are hearts that are soft, that are listening, that are watching. That Jesus has used what has happened to invite people and get them surrounding so that they can hear, so that they can witness, so that they can be saved. I want you to think about your family members. I want you to think about your neighbors. I want you to think about your coworkers. If there was ever a time where people need Jesus and they're open to the concept of Jesus, it's right now. I'll share this and then I promise we'll pray. Remember how Jesus said, there's only 12 hours in a day and you walk by light. Jesus was speaking figuratively about the fact that he only had certain amount of time left on earth. So ultimately what Jesus was saying is, hey guys, at some point this thing's gonna end. I love worshiping with y'all on Sunday, but at some point we're not gonna keep doing this. We're gonna move on to heaven. There's a clock ticking down. And at some point we gotta start taking this serious. And at some point we have to say, I want everybody who doesn't know about Jesus to know about Jesus before it's too late. This is their wake-up call. This is your wake-up call. The resurrected king resurrected me. And he can resurrect you. And there's never a better time than right now to hear that, know it, and believe. So Father, we come before you right now. We're gathered together both in person and we're online. And we're praying for a revival in 2021. That Father, your word, your Holy Spirit, the character of Jesus, the works of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, would be communicated like never before. And that every person who does not believe will have an opportunity to come to believe. Father, we pray right now for our family members. Brothers, sisters, moms, dads, cousins, aunts, uncles, husbands, wives, kids that do not know you. I pray you right now you would give us opportunities to share the gospel for every coworker, for every friend, for every neighbor that does not believe in you, I pray you would give us opportunity in 2021. Let this be both our wake-up call and their wake-up call. Father, it was the sickness and the death and the resurrection of Lazarus that caused people to believe. Allow us to use your death and your resurrection to be what causes so many to believe. 
I pray for every church. Every church in our county, in every county, every state, worldwide. That there would be a new passion in the shepherds of those churches, in the congregation of those churches. I pray for a hunger for your word all over our world. That people would start desiring to read your scriptures again. I pray that you would draw people. Your word says that if we'll lift you up, you will draw all men. So, Father, let that be the mission of every church and every Christ believer, that we would lift you up. Your love, your mercy, your grace, your purpose, your calling. And that through that, your Holy Spirit would draw everybody to you. And that there would be a revival of people coming to know you as their Savior. Come on, would you just right now kind of pray that in your own words? I don't want it to be just a bunch of people amening what I'm saying. I want us to join in together. Father, Father, let this be the year. Let this be the year that so many come to know you. And I don't mean attend church. I mean believe in you as their Savior. Come on, if you have a family member, pray for them. A neighbor, a friend, pray for them. Father, this is our wake-up call, and we believe that. So from this point forward, let us be passionate about your word, and let us be passionate about people knowing you. You weren't late because you weren't there for Lazarus. You're not late today because you're not here for Lazarus. Use us at restaurants. Use us in the gym. Use us at our job. Let us proclaim the name of Jesus. And as a result, let many come to believe. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said,